Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Pittsburgh fans, what is going on? This is Jeff Hartman, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, here with another episode of the Black and Gold Blitz. It's been a while, and a lot of stuff has happened, believe it or not, between now and the last time I had one of these episodes. The Pittsburgh Steelers, as you know, with this show, if you're a first-time listener, we talk about all things Pittsburgh sports, so we always start with the Steelers. I understand that predominantly those who listen to these podcasts are Steeler fans. So we'll start with the Steelers. We typically throw it to the Penguins and finish up with the Pirates. So if you're just a Steelers follower, stick with me here in the early part, and then I'll tell you when you can kick out. Now, the Steelers were very quiet in free agency in the first week, and that was expected. The team barely had enough cap space to get under the required salary cap for the 2018 season. It required things like Alejandro Villanueva, Antonio Brown, all that had big contracts to restructure just so they could get under the cap. Now, they did release some players, talked about that last time, talked about that extensively on the the Standard is a Standard, the show I do with Lance Williams typically on Wednesday nights. And to be honest with you, I personally didn't feel that the Steelers had enough cap space to actually bring in any legitimate free agents of any kind. I I just didn't think so. Uh, So earlier this week on Monday... Rumors started that the Steelers were going to sign inside linebacker John Bostick. Now, John Bostick was drafted by the Bears out of Florida. He played there for a few seasons. He got kicked around a little bit, ended up with the Colts last season. And a lot of people talk about his injury history. He's injury prone. He's an inside linebacker. He's a communicator. He did that. He can play in a 3-4, 4-3. He's definitely uh, current with sub packages and things of that nature. A lot of people were wondering, what, is this, what does this mean? He signed a two-year contract. Well, first, what it means to me is that the Lawrence Timmons project and reunion is probably going to be put on hold or just kicked out the door. I just personally don't think that the Steelers are going to sign Lawrence Timmons now. He's probably asking too much money, and he's probably going to request to start. And the Steelers, prob- at, at this point in time, you think about after signing Bostic that they're going to still approach the upcoming draft and they're going to have an inside linebacker in mind that they want to sign that could possibly come in and start on day one. But if that person is not ready to start on day one, then Bostic would be able to at least carry the load for a few weeks or maybe even a half a season if need be. That doesn't mean that he would be the best option. The Steelers' defense would not be nearly as good, but at the same time, he is a serviceable stopgap, in my opinion. Okay, so, Bostic signs, he's in the loop, and everyone's kind of getting that feel-good mojo back. That They're making some moves, but they're still wondering, eh, not a lot of cap space. Everyone sees the numbers on overthecap.com and websites like that. 
and they're wondering what else could they even do? I mean, who else could they even bring in? Sure, there's a lot of safeties out there. And then all of a sudden, Wednesday, Tuesday, I'm sorry, Tuesday morning, early, some might even say Monday night, rumors swirled that the Pittsburgh Steelers were going to sign Morgan Burnett, the safety for the Green Bay Packers. All right, so the Green Bay Packers, he had played with the Green Bay Packers his entire career. And again, it's safety that a lot of people talk about the injury history. He'd only played, the last time he played a full season was in 2012. There's a time and a place for black and white, like when you're learning to play piano, or when you want a big two-toned cookie, or when shopping for a pet zebra. But if you want to attract customers, there's no room for black and white. So go to Staples. Staples specializes in bold, hard-to-miss color printing. And now at Staples, get 20% back in rewards on color printing, from banners to brochures and copies to presentations. Print more color, save more money at Staples. In-store only. Ends 11 10, 18. Restrictions apply. See store associate or staples.com slash 20 back for details. Keep that in mind. Just keep that in the back of your mind. But until then, understand that this safety is a very versatile piece to the Steelers' puzzle. He can play free safety, strong safety, can play slot cornerback or nickel cornerback, as well as a dime defensive back. And, and sometimes he can be a dime linebacker because he plays the line of scrimmage very, very well. Now, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I have broken down all this film on Burnett because I haven't. I haven't had time to do that. What I have done is I reached out to the Green Bay Packers SB Nation website. I spoke with them. I've read about a lot of people that do know what they're talking about that have had time to break down the film. And everyone agrees this was a really good signing by the Pittsburgh Steelers. And they were able to get him signed, similar to Joe Hayden last year, with a very team-friendly first year of his overall contract. Now, I guarantee you, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but just by knowing that they signed Bostic to two years, they signed Burnett to three years, the Steelers are going to be bellied up against the cap big time now. So if you're wondering what's next... I don't necessarily think they're going to bring anyone else in, although I wouldn't be shocked if they sign someone that plays predominantly special teams. They've already brought in Matthew Slater, who was with the Patriots. He re-signed with them. Uh, they brought in Michael Thomas from the Dolphins. Same thing. He left without a contract, but they're clearly looking to replace that Robert Golden type, a defender, maybe even a receiver, who can also play special teams, has a lot of experience there, could be maybe a special teams captain. They're still looking for that person. And there could also be some roster moves as well. you got to look at a guy like Darius hayward Bay, J.J. Uh, Wilcox is still on the roster. Uh, those players could possibly be released to alleviate some cap space, and I think that most would agree that they could actually be replaceable if they were released. Um, if they kept them, not going to be stunned. Maybe Wilcox, I would be stunned a little bit. But ultimately, I, I think that hopefully fans realize that the Steelers are in a good spot right now. And I, I realized that last year after the playoff loss to the Jaguars, things were low. And to be honest with you, in my years of running BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, I had rarely seen the Steeler fan base be that negative, that down, that low than I was after that loss at, at Heinz Field. And rightfully so. I'm not saying they shouldn't have felt that way. But it just seems like now... After these last two acquisitions, especially Burnett, the fan base is kind of starting to think, okay, maybe things aren't as bad as we thought. Maybe this team still is a legitimate Super Bowl contender, and maybe, just maybe, these moves that they're making are going to make the team better in a lot of different ways. And one of those ways is that, and I'm going to write an article about this for this week for the site, what they've done this week 
and maybe even just the last two days, is they have created the flexibility for themselves in the NFL draft. And you might be thinking, Jeff, what are you talking about? Well, let me explain myself. By getting Bostic, who is capable, if need be, you don't want that necessarily, but he is capable, if need be, and getting Burnett, who also is capable, if need be, you now don't need to go out and get, ah, we need to get a safety. That's important. Or we need to get a inside linebacker. That's number one. You don't have to do that anymore. What you can do is actually take best player available, or BPA as we all say it in print, you can go for that best player available, and maybe that is a quarterback. Now, before you turn the podcast off, hear me out. If there are are solid inside linebackers and safeties that you feel are still going to be on the board in the second and third rounds, and you have a quarterback like Mason Rudolph who has been gaining a lot of steam in the Pittsburgh Steelers discussions and a lot of interest from the organization, when you have that quarterback there, you sometimes have to take it. So I wouldn't be stunned now that they've made these moves that they couldn't find a way to maybe take a quarterback in round one or in round two and then picking other players that they feel are still good enough in the later rounds. Not saying it's going to happen that way. Not guaranteeing they're going to take a quarterback. All I'm saying is that I personally feel that this gives them flexibility now to really go after that best player available. And that's really important to me, and it should be really important to all fans out there as the team approaches uh, the, towards the end of free agency and gets into the draft. Now, we'll, we'll be doing a lot more draft stuff as the draft gets closer. Uh, they're still traveling. The Steelers are traveling throughout pro days. They were at Penn State's pro day on Tuesday. Kevin Colbert was in attendance. So was uh, a lot of other their, rest of their coaching staff. Um, they're scouring the nation, literally, at all these college pro days, trying to get a feel for all the different athletes, all the different prospects, and it's going to be exciting if you're looking for a way to try to get a feel for who the Steelers are targeting, who they're looking for, um, what positions they might be really trying to target, wait until they have the official NFL draft visits, those pre-draft visits at the Southside facility, the UPMC Rooney practice facility, because that's when the Steelers extend the invitation to the player to come in. So, for instance, Justin Reed, safety from Stanford, reportedly already has a meeting set up with the Steelers for one of those pre-draft visits. That means this isn't mock draft stuff. This is the Steelers are flat out interested in a specific athlete, and that's important. So keep an eye on those. Also, just make sure you keep an eye on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for all your Steelers needs, because we're going to have everything from our pre-draft visit tracker to our free agency tracker, commentary, features, salary cap updates, all that stuff that you want and you need to be an in-depth diehard Steeler fan we'll have right there for you. So that's kind of the end of the Steelers talk for today. Make sure you join us for the Standard is the Standard this week uh, with Lance Williams. That'll be on YouTube as well as on our uh, Blog Talk Radio, all of our platforms. You'll find us there. Now, Switching gears a little bit to the Pittsburgh Penguins here on the Black and Gold Blitz. The Pittsburgh Penguins are a team that is hot, but is also coming off of a really long break, and that can be a challenge. Matt Murray was in Golden Knight as I record this podcast. They are down 2-1 to one in the third period to the Islanders. I know a lot of fans freak out whenever the Penguins lose a game. They're on the road. They're, they're against a very young, young, fast Islanders team. I'm not apolo- I'm not being an apologist for the Penguins. What I'm saying is all they need to do is get into the playoffs. The way that the playoff system is set up in the National Hockey League, you don't have to be the number one seed. 
Ask the Washington Capitals how it is being the number one seed every year. It just doesn't always work out. You just need to get in. This, the Penguins are in great in a great spot right now from a playoff standing standpoint. And if they can just finish this regular season, which I believe they have about 10 games left, April 11th is when those playoffs start, they will be just fine. Now, a lot of people were kind of wondering, well, what are some of the matchups that scare you and that you hope for in the Eastern Conference? To be honest with you, I don't like those divisional matchups early in the playoffs. I know that they beat the Rangers last year in the first round. I know they beat the Columbus Blue Jackets in the first round in those last two cup uh, tournaments or playoffs. But at the same time, I wouldn't be bothered if all of a sudden they have to play someone from the other side of the coin, the other division. I'm not saying I would look forward to playing the Boston Bruins, but I am saying that if you get someone else, you get some fresh blood. I, I just don't see... Outside of all the ups and downs for the Pittsburgh Penguins this year, I just don't see a team outside of maybe Boston or maybe Tampa Bay that can beat the Penguins four times. They're just a very, very tough hockey team. And if Matt Murray is back, if Matt Murray is healthy, and he's on his game, I just feel like with Phil Kessel, Evgeny Malkin, Sidney Crosby, this team has so much firepower. They're the best power play in the National Hockey League. They will be tough to beat. I just don't see a team out there that is going to be able to go out there and win four out of seven games. Most likely, in the first round at least, the Penguins are going to have home ice, and that's great because they play a lot better at PPG Payne's Arena than they do away from it, so keep an eye on those Penguins. Now let's go to our last gear here, and it's last for a reason, the Pittsburgh Pirates. I feel like if I had the statistics in front of me, this is where the podcast uh, listening listeners would just plummet off the face of the earth. The Pirates is tough to follow. It's, I'll tell you why it's tough to follow. It has nothing to do with wins and losses. A lot of fans online, um, and I still gauge a lot of this stuff because I still follow the team closely, they're looking at spring training results, and they're all up in arms. This team's going to stink, and they very well might stink. And I wouldn't be shocked if they do stink. My prediction was that they would win um, 80 games this year, uh, just shy of the 500 mark. And that might be a little optimistic if they decide to sell the farm, so to speak. But what I'm talking about is that it might be difficult to watch spring training. It might be difficult to watch them lose game after game. Don't put too much stock into spring training. You have pitchers that are going out for outings sometimes, and this is not an exaggeration if you're not a baseball person. They are only working on their fastball. They won't throw a breaking ball, or they're only working on inside pitches. Sometimes these hitters know what's coming, and well, it's anyone that's played baseball or, or heck, even softball knows that if you know what's coming, you're able to tee off and just really drive the, the ball wherever you want. So, especially from a defensive standpoint, don't put too much stock into it. And the same with offensive numbers. Think about Jose Osuna last year in spring training. He lit it up. I think he ended up having eight or nine home runs in spring training. He made the, the team's final roster, but ultimately didn't play much. All, spring training is great. Spring training is entertaining. If you're ever down in Bradenton, which I would love to do one day, I hear it's phenomenal to go and watch the Pirates and be up close and personal with them at practices, but don't put too much stock into it. The Steel, the, the Pirates are going to... When it rains, hit the lathes. Experience the best in weatherproof fun at Bolero. Bowl, play games, and treat your taste buds to Bolero's signature menu. Don't get wet, go bowling. Visit Bolero.com for hours and weekly specials. 
Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Vergecast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else you listen to podcasts, check it out.